This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to this Muslim Girl podcast. On this episode, I have with me Aya Al-Shamahi, who is an illustrator and aspiring character animator. She's also Yemeni, but she was born and raised in the UK. Aside from uh, being an artist, she's also a video journalist, and so through her art and video journalism, she celebrates Yemeni culture as well as exploring issues on identity and conflict. I'm really excited for you to listen into this episode, which is probably going to be a two-part series, just because the conversation is really long and I like to keep my episodes a little bit shorter. Um, but in this episode, we do talk about our experiences as Yemeni women in the creative field and navigating our two identities, being Yemeni and coming from the West in today's world. I hope you enjoy and I'll catch you on the next episode. I think you're on mute. I am on mute. <laughs> like every day and I don't know why I'm still struggling with this thing. Um, um, I don't think most people have gotten accustomed to it to be honest. No honestly like I, I don't care how many times you use it it's still it just feels like unnatural as well you know what I mean? Yeah um, but unfortunately kind of the way of the future I guess. But hi yeah. nice to meet you. <laughs> virtually I know right I love the the sweater that you have going on or you you guys call it jumper I think right <laughs> sweater <laughs> but it's good that you uh, you've got the lingo down so I have a little bit of it um, yeah yeah I think I think the uh UK lingo is making its way to the US so I I feel like okay what else do you know um um hold on so I know you guys don't say eggplant you say aubergine aubergine yeah. right am yeah. I saying it correctly there's more. Um, you guys don't say pants. You say trousers because we say pants. Yeah. Do you know what we use pants for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that can get a very awkward situation sometimes. Yeah. If you say pants over here, it's it's very confusing and people just look at you like, oh, that's a bit. <laughs> I mean, it's. I've noted that. But like, is there something I would say the other way around I know you were recently in the U.S. so is there things that you found you'd say and people would just look at you confused um okay honestly it was my pronunciation of water so wherever I went and I I just think like surely by now everyone knows that the the British way of pronouncing water is water is water right mm -hmm. so anytime anywhere like a um any place and I'd order order just like I just wanted just a bottle or something like that um and the first few times that I'd say it and I just you know I'd be like hi you're right oh you know can I get a bottle of water and they just look at me like I have no idea what you're saying it's just completely blank face and then I learned after the first few times that okay I need to clearly change my accent around or something so I would go and I would order with like you know, I'd say, hey, how are you in a in a very normal English British accent, but then I'd go, hey, how are you? Can I get a bottle of water, please? And then oh immediately, <laughs> we did like that's a really good switch. That was that was good. I, I don't have a really good British accent at all, actually. So I wouldn't be able to do that. Okay. I, I really want you to try and I want to see. Do you want to teach me? I mean, okay, so I so obviously there's different accents to, you know, depending on where you're from, I'm sure. But, um, and you know, something that's funny is, uh, 
like I, I was watching these videos online about like American accents and UK accents and stuff and um, other people, non-Americans always say that we have this uh, main character syndrome because we just think that like we're the standard. I'm not gonna lie. I, I always grew up thinking I didn't have an accent. I'm like, no, this is a normal Yanni. This is the standard. Everyone else has an accent. And then everyone's like, no, you you have an accent. You have a, an American accent. And I don't know if I have a specific regional accent. I don't think I sound like a Valley girl or anything, but um, <laughs> um I mean, I, I'm really bad with like figuring out exactly where you're from, um, mm -hmm. which state and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I know the Valley Girl accent and whereabouts are you from in the US? I'm from California. Okay. See, I, I don't know now if I'm just, I'm saying, yes, you do sound like you're from California because you just said that you're from California, but yeah, the, um, the main, the main character syndrome is, yeah, it's like, um, you know, in every end of the world movie you watch and it's mm -hmm. always like in New York, but but only in New York, and it's always just happening there. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's fine. It's I cool. think it takes everyone to have a non-American friend. It could be from anywhere. It doesn't have to be like from the UK or something, but just someone else, maybe a, a similar Western culture to be able to like humble us a little bit and just say, you know, the world <laughs> doesn't revolve around you. Cause I don't know. I just think that like with American culture being pretty, um, I would say like, I don't know if like influential is the word, but like with media and stuff, especially when you talk about like the most popular shows and stuff like that. And it, like, I think people knowing American culture more. So yeah. we've never really had to adapt, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like with, um, I mean, even if you literally just take the fact that with America, it's so big that you really don't yeah. need to eat the country to feel like you've gone to a completely different part of the world, you know? But you've, so have you only ever been to... North Carolina and I think you I saw that you were like in New York or somewhere yeah uh, yeah. yeah so um I've been to the states twice um and so once it was for my brother's wedding um and then the second time was to uh go see my new baby nephew oh, he's so adorable Aww. honestly like if I could I could literally just talk for about an hour about him uh I won't <laughs> um but yeah, so when we went, it was North Carolina and we were just going around. Um, so we went to, they live near Raleigh. Um, so it's a town called Apex. Um, and we just, we went to um, Chapel Hill. We went to um, quite Asheville as well. Asheville's very beautiful. Um, but yeah, so I think from, I mean, I loved it. I like really loved my experience in the US. Um, we were there for about a month. Um, but for me, it was just, it was, it was a very different kind of experience. Um, but what kind of stood out to me the most is how, uh, no one likes walking ever, <laughs> um, for someone who doesn't drive, like that's, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. So when we were there, we would, um, like just, just even the idea of going to a Target or Walmart, which by the way, I love, um, <laughs> I'm glad. Like, <laughs> yeah people were like why are you so obsessed with target walmart i was like you just go in and there's so much selection of everything don't get me wrong we have a selection in the uk but this was yeah we went in and it was just like the amount of oreos and the different flavors of oreos that you guys have is like amazing <laughs> um but yeah anyway just the uh, we i it, like wanted to walk with me and my sister to to the walmart but 
I remember my my sister-in-law was like, no, no, you're going to be like walking on highways and God knows what. And I was like, no, no, it's fine. You know, Google Maps is only saying like half an hour. It's fine. We'll just we'll just go. Um, and that's and she was like, you're going to walk for like 30 minutes. That was so unheard of. Um, but yeah, like it's. But that's normal for you. Oh, like it's so standard for um, I'm, I'm, the way I'm speaking on behalf of all British people. But, <laughs> you know, on like. 30 40 minute walks um people just will walk to work and it's it's quite chill um I think especially in London it's a bit like New York in the sense that it's uh there's a lot of traffic so it's quite difficult to to kind of um go around everywhere with car by car um so yeah people tend to walk or just get the tube or the subway um and yeah it's just it's like the the more comfortable thing to do um but yeah, I remember me and my sister were just walking on literal highways <laughs> with cars just going past. And we we're just like, we just want to go to Target. <laughs> um, and then as we, were, as we were making our way there, we were like, okay, this is this is getting more and more ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's apart from the no walking thing, it was, honestly, it was, it was really nice. Um, and I mean, obviously, like when I was talking to my sister-in-law and she was, um, I mean, we were just talking about like the, the healthcare and um obviously if you if you don't have insurance pay for um for healthcare and um like I've always heard that about America um but it was obviously quite shocking even she was telling us in terms of if you don't have insurance and you're giving birth um something like skin on skin contact with your baby you have to pay for and that really shocked me I was like surely that's I don't know how you can capitalize on something like that like that's your child like how is that being monotonized um to be honest that was something I actually recently found out too like obviously I I know how our healthcare system works but I didn't know that like skin on skin on skin contact was something that the hospital charges for you because most people get a you know like a final bill and let's say you do have private insurance and it covers like a certain percentage or whatever whatever's left you're gonna probably you know pay I have a, a friend of mine who recently um got pregnant and she was saying that like she was reviewing when I think with like her doctor and her insurance plan like how much it covers and she was still gonna have to cover uh like somewhere around two thousand dollars but no one really asks like what is that for and I think that they can just put whatever they want on there and no one's really gonna question it so it's really unfortunate and I know you, you guys have like the NHS and stuff which is like really cool um we'll get there at some point I just saw our um the governor of California, he just announced that he wants, uh, we're moving towards becoming the first state in the country to have national um, like health services or like some type of um, universal health care for all California residents. So I think, you know, we're slowly getting there. I don't know how long it's going to take. It's just so difficult when you're such a big country and you have so many different types of states like where you've been if you just move a little bit more west to like the midwest it's going to be so different and then you go to the east uh, west coast and it's so different so the demographics are different the climates everything is just it's a lot I always tell my sister like I wish California could just be its own country and then I think (laughs) I'll be happy that way um the walking thing doesn't surprise me because I hear that a lot and I we also have like drive-throughs which I guess aren't as common like yeah. the fact that we drive, we do drive through for everything, like pharmacy, food, drinks, um, banks. Yeah, drive- yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah, that's um, this is what I mean in terms of the very different experience. So, yeah. 
when 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 we went and it was you know it's not like we were going out every day or, or anything like that but um and when we did it would you know we'd be doing the big weekend trips but day to day would just you know we'd just go around like the local area but drive through banks that's wow yeah <laughs> i know there's no walking involved <laughs> i mean yeah. uh so where i live it's 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 a fairly large town but it's not like a big city so you're talking about like every, any type of business storefront, uh, whatever it is, like has a parking lot. And so we do the most minimal amount of walking here, which is why I like to go outdoors and like make myself walk. Because other than that, like you're literally going from your car, taking a few steps into entering a building or something and walking out. That's if it's not a drive-through where you're just yeah. in your car ultimately. But um Funny slash small world. So your sister-in-law, I actually met a few years ago. So I think your brother came to speak at UC Berkeley yeah. and I was invited to that event. And that's where I, I think he, I think he came to speak, but she was there with him. And then we connected on social media. So I've known her for like some time, just, you know, casually, I guess you could say through social media. And then I didn't know that that was your brother. And your sister-in-law and I was like oh my god subhanallah like what a small world it is it's mad I, I feel like um you know all Yemenis know each other at the end of the day there's much as I feel like oh it's a, it's a stereotype or oh, just because I'm Yemeni it doesn't mean that I'm gonna know every Yemeni in the world by the end of it I find that you know you know someone who knows someone else mm. you know and somehow you're connected through that so that is, it's very much, um, it's a small world, but yeah, I, you know what it is as well, like um, Yemeni communities, we, we, I mean, like, I think it's a nice thing. We, you know, we find each other and like, we stick with each other as well. Um, so it's, you know, it comes with its pros and cons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, you're like, mm, I know. Actually, um, I was curious, like, I, I don't know a lot of, do I even know any Yemenis in the UK? Like our neighbors in Sana'a are, I know that they lived, I, I don't know where, I want to say somewhere more up north, like Sheffield area. I think there's a lot of Yemenis there, but, or like Birmingham, that type of area. But so I, I know that there's some people, like, I think that's only the only Yemenis we know, but I always wondered, like, is the Yemeni experience the same everywhere? Because in my experience, in the US in general, like they tend to be a lot more conservative, not all, but especially when there's large communities of them just clustered together, they tend to be more conservative. Is that the case in the UK um yeah for sure okay. that's um that's that's definitely a con so I mm. I mean if you guys the the Yemeni community like I know the, the most famous one is like in Dearborn mm -hmm. I mean that's what we always hear about um mm -hmm. a lot of Yemenis um you know in, in Michigan um but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you kind of have had the same sort of experiences. So I was brought up in, in born and bred in Birmingham. Um, so it has a very large Yemeni community, but the way um, they are quite conservative as well. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's on the same level, like the American Yemenis or if it's more, um, but I, I think, you know, maybe in the 1980s or something, a lot of Yemenis actually came to Birmingham and I always like to think of it as, uh, okay, I don't want to be offensive, but mm. like they've, uh, a lot of people tend to, they're frozen in time, right? From, from the same mentality that they had when 
uh, when they first came over, right? Um, and and like to some extent, you know, it is understandable because I think um, a lot of the time with with tight knit communities, especially if you're living in the West, you do get quite uh, you become quite protective of your community, of your culture, of your identity, mm-hmm. um, and that's completely understandable. Um, especially if you kind of you don't know exactly what you're facing Um, and then you find like with time as time progresses um, and then more generations come about then you know everyone kind of becomes a bit more lax Um, but yeah so sometimes that kind of uh, tightness manifests itself into um, like a conservatism and and I think that tends to be quite harsh on women the most. Um, so yeah, so I think from my experience in Birmingham and um, I mean, alhamdulillah with my family, um, they're quite open. So my mum and dad, uh, my dad was really onto it, onto his daughters um, pursuing education, pursuing academia, going into higher education. Um, you know, he was like, okay, you all need to do PhDs and get doctorates. Mashallah, uh, that's amazing. I, I did not want to do that. <laughs> I was like, you. Um, but yeah, but when he was you know, pushing me to go ahead and do, um, go and do like my master's. Um, and I mean, he was the one that even said to me, like, you know, what was, so basically I, I, um, I did a, a master's in Middle Eastern studies. Um, and I, I finished that, but like deep down, I kind of always wanted to go into something more artistic, more uh, more art based, more animation based. Um, and I'd kind of brought it up to him before, but he'd always be like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, Binti, go do something academic first, and then you can you can do the art and drawing later." Um, anyway, so I didn't really think of it again. But then uh, when I kind of finished the masters, he, like I feel like a couple of years later, he was like, he said to me. Oh, yeah, there's um, what was that that uh the course that you wanted to do? You know the 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 drawing one, the the uh, animation and I'm like, what the the animation course? And he was like, hey, you should go, you go do it now. You've got you mm-hmm. <laughs> you finished everything else. Go go and do it. So um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of why I went ahead and did it. Um, sorry, I went on a completely. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Like no, that's good because I, I I wanted to ask you about like what got you into art. Like I love following other like Muslim, well specifically like Yemen. I love following all artists, but like when I find another Yemeni artist, it's just really cool to connect because I feel like we all do something similar but very different, which I think is so cool. And I'm obsessed. You probably know this with your art, mashallah. It's beautiful and like the animation pieces as well. And so I I saw that you 
are I, I thought either you were studying it or like on your like I don't know if it was like self-taught type of stuff but um was like how, how long have you been doing art or how long has I guess that been a part of your life yeah um let's see before getting into that can I just say like mashallah like your artwork is amazing <laughs> Thank um you. genuinely for um I think I remember seeing your art stuff well back um, and I would, you know, either see it people sharing it on Instagram or on Twitter um, and, you, you know, you'd like some of the stuff was really simple mm -hmm. um, and it, um, a kind of minimalistic, but you, you have such an eye for like the color, the design, um, it just, it all looks so neat as well um but yeah honestly it's it's very beautiful work so I'd see it and I'm like oh my god this stuff is amazing oh, um, thank you that's sweet god knows how much time later we're actually able to have a conversation um but yeah I was okay so what got me into the what was your question again like what because so for like for example me I I kind of did a little bit of the opposite of you I studied art first right and it wasn't anything that was like formal in the sense of like learning technique and like there was a little bit of that it was more conceptual and I liked art history so and I didn't even do any like digital stuff maybe there was photography but most of it was um like oil arts and charcoal like that was it and I studied political science at the same time and then my parents were a little concerned like what are you really going to do with this and that's when I went and I got my master's in public policy and administration so it was a little bit more you know, a, a, I think something that I could actually apply and like get a job for <laughs> or in. Um, but I've always loved art since I was like really young. It wasn't until I think I entered college that or like university that I thought, okay, this is something I actually want to pursue in some way. So is that like a similar thing for you? Like you grew up doing this or is it just something more in your adult life? Yeah, I mean, so for me, I mean, ever since I can remember and I was a little kid, I'd be constantly drawing and just kind of creating these worlds and these universes. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I'd literally just get a piece of paper and I'd be like, okay, um, I'm going to like create a family or um, I was really obsessed. This is really random, but I was really obsessed with um, creating uh, like... I'd get like a piece of paper and design like a theme park um, or design different cities and, and just and place different things here and there. Um, and I just, it, like, I think as a kid, it just transported me into this completely different world. Um, and it's, it's kind of how I used to play, I guess. Um, so yeah, so this kind of interest in, in art and just uh, that kind of creativity has, was a passion of mine since I was a little kid. Um, and then I, you know, for, for university, what I studied, it was, like I said, um, quite academic. So I studied Arabic and history um, and Middle Eastern studies. Um, and then I always wanted to do something that was art-based, but I just didn't, it was one of those things where I just didn't know how to get there. It was like, how do I... Um, take my passion and put it into something and put it into a career um and it's you know it's not just the fact that it's it's you know I don't just like drawing and I don't like I don't just like painting it's I want to showcase a message with that and um it's kind of my way of expressing myself so um something that's quite dear to my heart will you know it, whether it's it's Yemen or the Middle East or issues of identity um so it, it's I think in my head I wanted to be able to join um 
both my interests and my arts and kind of uh, be able to, um, yeah, portray a message with that. Um, so yeah, so I think with me, when I, uh, I went straight into work after I finished my studies um, and that's when I went through the journalist route and I became a video producer for a, um, a Middle East news company. And I think, you know, when we look at, when we look at traditional journalism, um, I mean, like, you know, newspapers or, uh, you know, if, if people, people don't really watch the news anymore, they don't, they don't read the news anymore. So you're finding with time, as time goes on, as people go more towards social media, they're looking for their news more in, uh, in more visual ways. Um, so I think as journalists these days, we have to find more creative ways of storytelling and more creative ways of, of telling the news. Um, because people are moving away from the traditional means now. So video producing uh, and kind of creating news stories with video is, it allows me to express myself creatively, but telling the news at the same time. So, so yeah, that's kind of um, how I went into, into journalism. Um, and then through that, I was kind of thinking of ideas of how I can actually take animation and tell the news through animation as well. Um, and, and so with that, I thought, okay, you know, again, taking that visual element and creating news that's just, it's interesting, it's inspiring. Um, and I think especially with animation, you can, you know, you can take really humanistic stories and be able to tell tell it through uh, the, the, the animation. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of the plan. Um, and so with work now, like I do try to do, um, like I'll do um, explainer videos, explaining what's going on in the Middle East or what's going on in specific areas, but then using visual elements like illustrations, like animations, um, to just kind of help tell the story in a different way. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I kind of incorporated the uh, the art with journalism um but as well i don't know about you but i found that actually you know using instagram using social media to be able to connect with the yemeni community whether it's uh you know in your own city whether it's the yemeni diaspora all around the world whether it's yemenis who are living in yemen currently um i just found that actually being able to do my artwork and being able to express um, my Yemeni, my Yemeni identity through it, uh, through the animations. And it, you know, it's literally, sometimes it's just a few seconds long, um, but it will be something that I feel like we can all as Yemenis relate to, um, you know, it, it might even just be the, 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 uh, buildings in Sana'a, the, you know, the very distinct, or it might just be the, um, the Qamariya windows or the women wearing the, um, sitara, clothing so just you know these these little things that actually can connect to a lot of Yemenis all around the world and I think what what kind of connects us all is this idea that you know our, our love for Yemen but at the same time um you know obviously because of the situation there it's it's a very different it's not like everyone can go back or see their families or be able to kind of reconnect um so yeah so I, I feel like I don't know, when I see other artists, other Yemeni artists, it genuinely makes me really happy because it's like, I'll, I'll see the art in it. And it just, um, I feel like, uh, I feel nostalgic when I when I look at 
art pieces. So when I saw your artwork, I felt very nostalgic um, and it's quite an emotional thing as well. Um, and so, yeah, so I think using, with all of us using our art to kind of just connect with the Yemeni community. Um, and it, I mean, it's also not something that a lot of Yemenis, um, I mean, obviously Yemenis are becoming more and more creative um and i'm sorry i'm seeing more yemenis in the creative fields and like that genuinely makes me really happy i mean well, I all know. kinds of fields right yeah. too like not just art i i mean one there's like the content creation like social media content creation that you see a lot of yemenis going into now um but there's so many different ways people are expressing their love for their you know culture or traditions or like you said just that nostalgic feeling and reconnecting like for me it's always about reconnecting with what I can remember of Yemen because I haven't been there since 2005 so it's been quite some time and I was like a teenager at that time or like you know a young teenager and so um it's it's sad to think that like what I would go back to now is not the Yemen that I saw pre-war you know so when I when I started seeing the shift after the you know the Arab Spring and and when the war started, when I started seeing the shift of like people actually saying like Yemen and hearing Yemen on the news, because that was not something I grew up hearing. It was not something that people were very familiar um, with when I would say, you know, I'm from Yemen. And now it's like everyone knows where Yemen is. Everyone knows that there's like, you know, a humanitarian crisis, that there's a war, all these things. And I don't want it to just be, you know, that's the only idea that people have of Yemen because there's so much more to it like of course raising awareness is important understanding you know the 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 crisis and and the suffering that's happening there but also like I would really love to take the opportunity while people are you know have their eyes on it to learn about like the beauty of you know the culture and the traditions and like the agriculture and our architecture and like all the things that like for us and I'm, I'm assuming you've been to Yemen growing up or maybe have lived there but that we can remember of it prior to the war. You know what I mean? Um, no, 100%. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I remember, like you said, pre-Arab Spring, um, whenever we, so Yemen was barely mentioned anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I think growing up, I was literally the only Yemeni ever. <laughs> We're like amongst my group of friends and uh, like- Same. Yeah, forgetting the the Yemeni community, and mm -hmm. you know, obviously, oh, I was literally the only Yemeni, so I'd, I'd almost be like the Yemeni representative. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the only reference that anyone had to Yemen was um, that scene in Friends where Chandler has to go to Yemen to escape Janice. Um, and it's like, oh, 15 Yemen roads, and everyone would get, I mean, I was so excited when I, when I discovered that episode. But um, even I remember as growing up, if Yemen was ever mentioned on the news, my dad literally called us up from downstairs. He'd call us all to come down, the whole family, to come and watch, I don't know, some random news clip on, um, uh, uh, like a random story on Sana'a or Taiz or something. And we'd all be just gathered around in the kitchen watching the news really excited. Do you guys have Jeopardy? Or like, you you know of Jeopardy, right? The American show. So sometimes they'll have questions and like, about Yemen and my dad would also do the same thing he'd be like look they're asking about Yemen and like we'd sometimes you know try to rewatch it or like google it later to try to see like what the excuse me what the clip was about but the, the amount of excitement we'd have for just a little bit of representation yeah. and now we're like enough enough yeah 
but yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally agree. I think it's, it's, it's really sad when you see that, um, you know, whenever you kind of, you say you're from Yemen, whenever I meet new people now, and I say I'm from Yemen, I can always see it in their eyes, but they're like, oh, you know, and there's a little bit of pity or like sorrow. And it's just, it's kind of sad because like you said, yes, we should be raising awareness to what's happening and people need to know what's going on. But at the same time, it's, it's a problem because it, um, it makes out as if all Yemenis are helpless victims. And that's obviously not the case. You know, when you kind of, um, when you talk about Yemen in only a charity or humanitarian way, you end up taking away Yemeni people's agency. Um, and you kind of, you strip them down of their identity to only people that need help. To that point about, you know, taking away the agency out of, um, taking Yemeni people's agency, I think about the way that the world today, or I'll speak here in the US because I can't really speak for anywhere else, I'm not certain, but I know that the way that people still speak about Africa, which by the way, like people still talk about it, like it's a whole country, but this idea that like there's starving children in Africa, you know, the, the idea that like forever that region is going to be portrayed a certain way because of like the propaganda and the way that like at least here the news media was portraying them as just so like helpless and like that white savior complex to like go help and now people one think Africa is just one country and that people still live um, you know like in huts and need help and are starving and not understanding like the dynamic um, and well the differences that you have in across the entire continent and across all countries there um and i think sometimes like again very ignorant people are very surprised to know that there's like really great thriving cities in different parts of the continent in many countries and i think that's where i was thinking like when when the only information or the only um time yemen is talked about is in that light it's i feel like it's going to portray or like kind of stain the image people have of Yemen and it'll always be like a poor sad place and I think that there's like negative implications of that yeah no 100% thank you so much for tuning in to part one of this two-part episode please be on the lookout for part two you can do so by following this Muslim girl podcast on Instagram and Twitter to get the latest episode information and content it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.